Welcome back to the AuthoraCast. I'm Austin Simmons. Thanks for joining us for this season as we continue our discussion of the newest addition to Georgia World Congress Center Authority's championship campus, Signia by Hilton Atlanta. Go ahead and like, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff so you can get our new episodes downloaded to your device each week. Well, last time out, we discussed the brand, Signia by Hilton, the brand new shiny brand by the hospitality giant, Thanks again to Teddy Berlin for taking some time to talk with me about that. That conversation encompassed some of the experiences that you can expect at Signia's around the world, and especially the one right here in Atlanta, which leads us this week to food. We're going to be talking about all the different food and beverage experiences here at Signia by Hilton Atlanta, and there's a lot to talk about with that, to say the least. This hotel has eight Yes, eight food and beverage experiences housed inside. You've got the signature restaurant Capilinia, Nest on Four, Homespun, Friendship Market, Highball, Lobby Bar, just to name a few of the places you'll want to check out. So with so much to talk about, we're splitting this food talk into two episodes. We'll start with a conversation I had with Terry. Now keep in mind this conversation took place a few months ago, so when she says we just hired a chef or the chefs are traveling and learning, that took place in late 2023. They're back and ready to go here in March of 2024. But Terry says food has taken over much of the spotlight when it comes to hotels, so of course the folks here made that a big priority when building Atlanta's newest hotel. You know, first of all, the importance of food has gone way up on everybody's scale, right? Mm. Uh, media, social media has caused people to learn and grow, and their expectations have gone up exponentially. Um, so we have to address that. Um, we have eight different food and beverage outlets that are going to be able to satisfy any need, right? Um, we have the most amazing chefs coming in from all over the world. And when I say all over the world, I literally mean that. Um, our chef in Capilinia, our Italian restaurant, is going to go to Italy uh, to study and write the menus uh, and come back and bring the most authentic ingredients and the most authentic experiences to that restaurant. Um, that's going to be a tremendous statement, right? Um, the city of Atlanta uh, has one of the highest Indian populations, actually the mm -hmm. six largest Indian populations next to India. Uh, we just picked up our chef from India last night, uh, who's Very going cool. to be uh, cooking uh, uh, food from that culture uh, for our social groups, for Indian weddings, and we're going to be so happy to welcome that market into the hotel. Um, Homespun and Nest, uh, we just hired the chef today. He's amazing. Uh, he is just really uh, down-to-earth, very classic, and is going to bring uh, homemade representations from Atlanta to our kitchens, onto the plates of the guest. Homespun, which will specialize in pies Ooh. and tea and everything Southern. So it's going to be really exciting because that's how people know where they are and that's how people know that they've been somewhere is through the food. And then Nest, it's amazing. It's going to be a sports bar. Who doesn't love a sports <laughs> bar? Uh, you know, it's for the true fan. You're looking at the Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium and then you're experiencing food, it's gonna be more family style because you're gonna go in there with friends, you're gonna go before a game, you're gonna be just hanging out with your buddies and everybody just loves to share food. I mean, the mere fact of breaking bread together or passing a plate, that adds to the whole feeling of the community for that evening. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and uh, you mentioned, you know, with homespun being able to, for people to know that they've been to the South whenever they've been to homespun, what is, does that play into the philosophy and what's kind of the vision maybe behind some of the food and beverage offerings that are going to be here at this hotel? I mean, it's going to be diverse. Mm-hmm. The most important thing um, is the pastry department. So our pastry department and our bakery um, is all female run, which I'm super excited and proud of. There's going to be about cool. 16 chefs in there. Uh, and everything's going to be freshly prepared. All the breads in the marketplace are going to be made in our kitchens. All the chocolates, all the cookies, all the croissants, all the muffins are going to be made in our kitchens. Um, and that's going to bring it to an, another level of freshness, another level of deliciousness. Even our ice creams uh, oh. we're going to be making here, which will be exciting. So I think the diversity of the food of that we're going to be offering is what's going to be important. So you can come in and have a breakfast experience in our marketplace or in homespun. Then you can have a relaxed experience in the nest. Then you can go have uh, a high-end experience in our Capilinia restaurant and go to the pool bar and just have a drink up there and have the socialization. The lobby bar, uh, which is going to have all kinds of fun drinks and mixologists and be very animated uh, and just fun to watch. So there's going to be a lot of diversity, but I think in each element, it's going to be at its highest level and be run by the highest level of expertise and the best culinary experience. That's awesome. I'm getting hungry. Um, so what efforts kind of have have been made to incorporate local flavors and maybe just local produce, local meats, things like that into Signia's menu offerings? Well, we're working with farmers right now. Matter of fact, the chefs were out in, in a local urban farm right here, oh, uh, working with uh, some of the farmers to see uh, what they had to offer. Um, working with a lot of uh, the growers here, uh, making sure uh, that the ingredients uh, that are native to Georgia, you know, 45% of peanuts in the nation are farmed here in Georgia. Obviously peaches, obviously pecans, sorghum, uh, but wheat, you know, there's so much here, um, cheeses, dairy, um, that can be incorporated. And we're just going to get the best of everything. And we're going to bring some stuff from Italy too. And we're going to bring some stuff from India too. So uh, it's going to be really a compilation of a lot of different flavors from all over the world. But in certain restaurants, definitely specializing in the South. And is that something that's exciting for you? And speaking to some of the chefs, you know, they were talking about finding just different ingredients around the city and around the state. I mean, is that something exciting to be able to kind of give back to people what is coming from right down the street? Yeah, I think it is. I think that, you know, part of our mission as a state-owned project is to involve the community. Mm -hmm. So the majority of team members we are hiring are from the community. A lot are from second chance programs. A lot have come to our hiring fairs from neighborhoods, from churches, from organizations. And now we want to use the product. Um, And to find an urban farm right up the street is super cool. And we're definitely going to be utilizing it. Local, local, local. That's what you'll find eating and drinking at any of the new spots here at Signia by Hilton Atlanta. So, of course, that was a topic when I spoke with Jacob Lindsay. Well, that and a whole lot more. Now we're joined by Jacob Lindsay, the Director of Food and Beverage for the new Signia by Hilton Atlanta here at Georgia World Congress Center. Thanks for joining us, Jacob. Appreciate your time. Yeah, great. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. I imagine being Director of Food and Beverage, you have a little bit of a background, uh, a little bit of a culinary background. Kind of what inspired that and what inspired your career path kind of to where you're at today? Yeah, yeah. I grew up um, in a small town in Alabama, um, 
learned how to cook from my grandmother. I think like most most culinarians, there's always some moment from their grandmother there that, that plays a part in it. And um, I was fortunate in the sense that they had lived all over the world. My grandfather was a was a retired colonel from the Air Force, and they lived in Thailand and Alaska and Iran and Canada and lived all these amazing places. And so a lot of our influences there at home were composed of all of these different ethnicities and different types of uh, flavor profiles and cuisines. And then one summer I moved out to New Orleans to, uh, to work with my uncle and that cuisine there really, really kind of captured my attention. Um, and I kind of decided that I could probably do that forever. Um, finished undergrad in a different career path, and then at 25 realized that I wanted to pursue hospitality and food and beverage uh, full-time. Six weeks later, packed up, moved to New York, went to culinary school, and, and the rest is kind of history. So does that experience with all the different cultures and foods and things from around the world, does that kind of play into how you develop maybe the food and beverage approach here at Signia? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, in conjunction with our executive chef, you know, we want to make sure that kind of all cultures and cuisines are represented here in Atlanta, especially given its diversity in terms of demographics. Um, you know, we kind of pull, in, you know, sensations and, and ideas from everywhere. I've lived in the Caribbean. I've lived in the Middle East. And so there's always something that you can kind of refer to from, a, from an idea standpoint, like, hey, what about this technique or this method or this ingredient um, that really brings through a very robust food and beverage program? And what kind of expired, expired, inspired uh, the development of the hotel's food and beverage program? And how does that kind of align with the overall guest experience that Signia by Hilton Atlanta is looking to provide for guests? Yeah, we talk a lot about what Southern cuisine really is. Um, and we want to encapsulate that. And, you know, having grown up only three hours away from here, it's kind of near and dear to my heart, having lived all over the world and all these different places and kind of come full circle back here. And we really internally, when we talk about defining Southern cuisine, it's really just soul food and it's comfort food. And every country has a version of comfort food and every country has a, you know, every continent has a version of, of soul food and what it really means to comfort for them. And so that's really the, the, what encapsulates our food and beverage programs. Comfort food that appeals to everybody, that everybody can have a moment of like, oh, it kind of takes me back to my childhood, even though they may be from a couple of different places. I'll give you an example. Um, chef is from Puerto Rico. I'm from Alabama. We were tasting a dish just the other day that almost at the same time, both of us said, this tastes like my childhood. <laughs> and that's really special and really unique. Um, and I mean, you know, full disclosure, it was smoked collard greens, which is as Southern as it gets, but it was so nuanced and beautiful um, that it spoke to both of us from that perspective. So that's really what we're trying to encapsulate. And we hope that, you know, that translates to our guest experience as well, where they have a moment of really experiencing something that takes them back to a moment in time or a moment of discovery for them where they discover something completely new where they thought that Southern cuisine was just deep fried everything. Um, but we show them some nuance and some finesse and some really cool moments like that. Yeah, and is that pretty cool being able to, you know, work on something, especially like you said, collard greens? You know, I ate that at my grandma's house. Sure. She had to force me for years, yeah. you know, full disclosure. Now I eat them whenever I can. Um, but, you know, is that cool being able to kind of make that connection with different people and hoping, I guess, that guests have that same feeling when they sit down? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's the fun part, right? I mean, we, we want, you know, we're in the, we're in the business of, of emotions, right? I mean, we talk a lot about the difference between service and hospitality and service is things that you see and hospitality is something that you feel, right? Mm -hmm. And to be able to connect with people through a smell or a flavor profile is, is really, really special. And, and also, you know, having people reimagine 
ingredients that they maybe grew up not liking because it was straight out of a can or something like that. You know, we joke about beets all the time, how most people don't like beets, but beets are actually really beautiful. Um, and it's an ingredient that we both love working with. So yeah, we, we definitely want to try to connect with guests as many ways as possible through ingredients and through these dishes. And trying to keep up with trends, I know that can be a little bit daunting, but are there any key trends or innovations in the F&B industry that have kind of influenced the program's offerings? Yeah, the, the two biggest right now that we see, well, three biggest, I'll say. Um, on the food side, bowls, bowls, bowls. Hmm. People are obsessed with hmm. bowls of food right now. Um, and we'll definitely make sure that there's a representation for that uh, throughout the multiple outlets at the hotel. Um, on the beverage side, I'll kind of go two different directions, one with alcohol and, and one non-alcohol related. Um, we're seeing a big push for non-alcoholic beverages and low alcoholic beverages, which we refer to on our menus as no and low, right? So no low beverages are a really big push right now. Um, I've often joked that I love a good cocktail, but I hate a hangover. And I think <laughs> most people would agree. Yeah. Um, and then on the non-alcoholic side and kind of non-cocktail or wine driven space, Mushroom coffee is huge right now. Um, you're seeing a lot of Gen Zers kind of steer towards this way versus your typical, um, you know, boomer or millennial who may want drip coffee or a cold brew or things like that. But mushroom coffee is, is kind of taking the country by storm. We actually think it's going to be around for a little bit um, versus one of those kind of fads that kind of pop in and out really quickly. Um, and so in our, in our friendship market, our primary coffee shop, and for our event groups uh, on the coffee breaks, we'll make sure that we have that represented also. That's awesome. Yeah. So you kind of got to cater to a bunch of different preferences. How do you, uh, you know, just make sure that you're catering to just different dietary restrictions, cultural tastes, things like that? Yeah. Well, we're fortunate in the sense we've got eight different food and beverage options throughout the hotel, right? So there's definitely going to be a little bit of something for everybody. Um, we, we tend to stay away from the word or the phrase dietary restrictions. Um, and we like to say just dietary preferences, right? Sure. Um, it's not always a medical reason why somebody doesn't like something, right? It may just be, I flat out don't like onions, or I flat out don't like eggplant. I don't like eggplant. Even as a food and beverage professional, I'm supposed to like everything. I just, there are some aspects that I like it and some that I don't. You know, but we want to make sure that we kind of take those personal biases off the table when we're talking about menu development and making sure that there's something for everybody. I mean, there's a big, big movement, you know, kind of back to the trend comment in plant-based diets, right? You know, I'm not a vegetarian. I, I'm a carnivore. I, I love red meat. I love chicken. I love fish. But, you know, we were testing a dish the other day that was vegetarian. I would eat that dish every single day. You know, but you also have the option too, the flexibility to maybe add a protein to it if you are a carnivore, right? And so having that flexibility on the menu side really gives the guests a lot more options. You know, and you kind of see these jokes all the time where, you know, steakhouses are expected to have vegetarian options, but vegetarian restaurants aren't expected to have a steak option. You, you know what I mean? It's kind of it's kind of clever, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we have something for everybody in each of our outlets. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you know, the vegetarian vegan diets. Some people are doing that for wellness and healthy eating, sure. others for other reasons. But if it's on the wellness and healthy eating side, that seems to be another trend that, uh, you know, isn't going away. Right. Um, so, I mean, how do you kind of cater programs to that and looking for kind of health conscious options? Yeah, well, I think I think one of the biggest first steps is sourcing proper ingredients, right? Looking at things that were on the protein side, things that were raised responsibly, that were fed a responsible diet, that were slaughtered responsibly. Um, same thing with vegetables. You know, throughout the, the you know 
the entirety of the ingredient, making sure that we're starting with good ingredients. And then secondly, making sure that our cooking methods reflect a healthy approach. Um, I was classically French trained in cuisine, which means a lot of butter, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, people get into talking about cholesterol and LDLs and HDLs and all that. But, you know, there's a lot of great substitutes for butter in baking or in cooking that are healthier options. I mean, I remember the first time in one of my baking classes, understanding that I could swap out applesauce for butter in some aspects. That That's a real big eye opener, right? And understanding that, you know, I can use healthier fats throughout the menu instead of always just kind of relying on butter. And look, there's going to be butter. It's part of the deal, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but we do really get meticulous in that balance of are we making this dish as delicious as we can, but also are we being responsible on the types of ingredients that we're putting into it? And sustainability can go a lot of different ways, I guess, whether it's, you know, not buying or buying something locally instead of from across the country where it's got to be trucked all the way here or using all of a product that you buy. Um, I mean, just kind of what's the sustainability program and sourcing like with Signia by Hilton Atlanta? And do you have any, you know, unique partnerships or local partnerships that you're working on? Yeah, we're working on we, we start local in terms of partnerships. We're going to start local. Um, we want to work with farmers and and you know gardeners that that practice sustainability on the land first right what are they doing to the land do they practice permaculture do they practice full-on sustainability again back to the animal how was it raised how was it fed what was it fed how was it slaughtered how did it get from the slaughterhouse to the to the butcher you know et cetera et cetera that full life cycle same thing with the vegetables. You know, we want to start working with local farmers that we can take our food waste from the hotel because we're a big hotel. There's going to be food waste. Take it to them, let them compost it, use that to supplement their soil, and then we in turn buy, you know, vegetables and produce from them. So it's a real full circle, um, sustainable movement that we're looking at. And and honestly, I I think that just on the ingredient side, that's only part of it. The other part of it is the material side, right? What is your packaging like? What are your forks like? What are your straws like? Um, we were talking about an amenity program the other day, and somebody talked, you know, just gift bags, for example, and somebody brought up tissue paper, and we were like, that's kind of a waste. Like, that's just, I mean, tissue paper is just a silly thing to have because it mm-hmm. gets pulled out of the bag and just thrown in the garbage, and it really kind of contributes nothing. And so really thinking about the full guest experience, but also the, the life cycle of that product, right? We're going to buy it. Tissue paper, I'm picking on tissue paper now just because it was a conversation <laughs> recently, and it sounds a little bit like I'm fixated on this. But you're going to buy tissue paper that's wrapped in plastic. You open the plastic, throw it in the garbage, put the tissue in the, in the gift bag, Tissue paper gets thrown. I mean, it, it serves no real purpose. And so mm-hmm. we want to be very deliberate in how we look at how we how we treat things. And that's really one of them. And it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But if we've got a group of 800 people and you've got 800 gift bags, it starts to add up pretty quickly over the, you know, the, the cycle of the life of the hotel. And so we want to be really intentional, really deliberate about what we're looking at, again, in terms of ingredients and then also the packaging component as well. And in talking to some of the chefs, you know, I, I, they had mentioned local products that they're excited to work about since we were talking about, you know, working with local farmers and things like that. Is there any product or, I guess, you know, produce, anything that you're particularly excited about, you know, that you've gotten kind of, y'all have worked with someone on or anything like that, you know, especially being right down the road from where you grew up, something you're excited to be able to kind of work with again? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's kind of crazy at the same time is kudzu. If you're from the Southeast, you know kudzu yeah. is invasive and it takes over everything. 
And I've started like, again, back to the sustainability piece. It's like, hey, what are things that normally get overlooked or that normally can't be used that we could use that there's a bunch of, right? Mm -hmm. Immediately it's kudzu, right? And, you know, also on the chef side of me and, and, and my partners, you know, we're always looking at new ingredients and, and kudzu is actually very good for people. Um, it's also very good for animals. And there's some cool techniques that we're kind of playing with, even on the beverage program, uh, hmm. to try and incorporate some of these things. And again, you know, kind of our overall mantra of food and beverage here is, you know, leading people to discover new items and new techniques and new things. And I can imagine some of the knee-jerk reactions people hear this, like, he's going to feed me kudzu. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but it really is, I would challenge people to be open-minded about, about some of these things. And it may not be an entire dish that's composed of kudzu, but just having that cool little element in there I think it's really fun and really exciting, especially to people who know what kudzu is, right? Um, but other than that, we're still working on locking down a lot of our local partnerships. Um, the good news about the state of Georgia and the Southeast in general is we've got one of the best agricultural cities or centers in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. So there's plenty to choose from. Um, we are rich, rich, rich with what we can select from, tons of options. So we're very excited about, about Atlanta and the state of Georgia. Very cool. I want to ask about the secrets, you know, with uh, what you're doing with kudzu and give it away so, you know, people can come check it out themselves. Um, but, you know, we talked about the the no-low cocktails and things like that. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that's, you said it was, it was something that you had demand for and you've seen all over the place. Um, but kind of what, what are some of the other things, maybe, maybe that's it, or just things that are going to stand out from the, the bar program at Signia by Hilton? Yeah, we, you know, again, going back to the, the no low component component will be will be big. Um, but obviously, we want to have one of the best cocktail and beverage programs in the in the city, if not in the state. Um, we will always look towards surprising people and surprising guests with something new. Um, you know, I think most bartenders and most bar managers kind of always say oh this is a riff on a classic and that's like the most overdone phrase mm -hmm. in beverage right now um but we really do want to take classics and and reinvent and make them cool and and maybe add a new ingredient and a little you know a little bit of flair and a little bit of excitement to it because um, you know a good cocktail is a good cocktail full stop right and there's a reason that classics have been around forever negroni is a tried and true um, cocktail. It's three equal parts and it's just perfect, right? So why, why mess with really perfect things? Um, you know, everybody loves their old fashioned and everybody loves their smoked old fashioned. We're going to have a big martini program um, in Capilinia, our signature restaurant. And I think that we're going to try and kind of reintroduce the martini to the market. Um, you know, the saying with martinis is one is not enough and two is too many. Uh, it's kind of always been the joke. And then you have your your advocates of, you know, gin drinkers that are, you know, swear by only I'm only drinking a gin martini. And then your vodka drinkers are like, no, I'm only drinking vodka. Um, we're going to kind of re reintroduce it. And what I mean by that is, is historically vermouth has been such a big component in, in martinis. But because of the Rat Pack and James Bond and kind of the you know historical evolution of the martini people, don't want vermouth in their martini. They don't even really know why, right? Other than, yeah. you know, Hollywood had kind of told them that was the way to drink it. We want to bring the vermouth element back. And what it does is it, it really does two things is it adds a whole level of complexity to the cocktail. Um, cause there's a lot of really great vermouths that have some really fun finicky flavor profiles going on, but also it helps lower the overall alcohol. 
um, of the martini. So instead of just drinking straight gin or straight vodka, you've now kind of brought it down to that 50-50 ratio um, where now you can have two or maybe three of them um, and not have, you know, the harsh hangover that you would normally have in the morning. So kind of reintroducing, I think that would be the, the, the biggest word that I would keep going to for our beverage program is kind of reintroducing classics um, in a different way. And can you make some of those no alcohol drinks that are classic? Sorry, this is just kind of a question that popped in my head. You know, I mean, can you have those drinks so that, you know, I mean, it opens up for a wider audience? Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of good products coming onto the mark into the market right now that like seed lip is a very good example. It tastes just like gin, but there's no alcohol in it. I mean, I can make you an, an outstanding Negroni with seed lip and you would probably never know the difference till the next morning when you didn't have a hangover, <laughs> you know? And so, um, there are really good products out there. You're seeing a lot more, um, low and no alcohol wines coming into the marketplace. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there. It's really starting to gain some momentum and we're excited to play with those things, um, and, and showcase them to, to our guests. And one thing that's come up in some of my conversations with everybody is, you know, the term approachable luxury, um, you know, and it seems like, especially with the food and beverage offerings, there's going to be something for everybody, whether you're, you know, looking for that upscale dining experience on, you know, a date to get dressed up, you're coming to a Falcons game or something, you're looking for somewhere to have a beer before the game or watch the games after. I mean, just what, what about the diversity of offerings that that's going to be at this new hotel? Yeah, I, I think. I think there is certainly something for everybody, and you're absolutely right. The overarching message is that it is approachable luxury. Um, you know, if you look at the first floor of our lobby bar, um, you know, we're going to have a very high-end cocktail program, but it's not going to be something that comes off as, like, snobby or condescending. And I think, you know, I think oftentimes that's what people really mean when they say approachable luxury. They don't want somebody to talk down to them, or they don't want to be made fun of because they don't know that – a certain grape varietal came from a very specific region in France. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. we take that approach that it is our responsibility as food and beverage professionals to educate people. I mean, it's it's like going to a doctor and them telling you what's wrong with you. You don't feel silly for not knowing what's wrong with you, right? Yeah. It's the same thing in food and beverage. Like it's our job to tell you, hey, this is from this region and this is the nuance of it and this is why we like it and hope that they like it as well. And if not, our job is to be able to take the variables that the consumer gives us and find something that they do like, right? And I think that's really what luxury is, is being able to get something that you like in a way that makes you feel good and excited about it, right? You know, so, you know, going back to other outlets, you know, we've got Homespun on the fourth floor, we've got Nest on four, we've got Capilinia. So just there, we've got three completely different types of experiences that, you know, maybe you feel like getting dressed up and going and having a couple martinis in Capilinia, right? Or maybe you don't. Maybe you just want to keep some comfy jeans on and, and go watch, you know, have a beer and watch a football game at Nest on Four. I mean, all of that is luxury. Being able to do what you want, how you want to, when you want to is perfect, right? And then on the service side, you know, our mission is to always be one step ahead. And, and really that means knowing what guests want before they want it so that you have something before you even think about it. And that's really what it, what approachable luxury means to us. Beautiful. Sounds like there's, you know, a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's about all I got. I appreciate you joining me, Jacob. Beautiful. Thank you, Austin.
If this episode didn't make you hungry enough, next time I sit down with some of the chefs from Signia by Hilton Atlanta so that you can hear a little bit about them, their stories, and their philosophy when it comes to cooking. They had some really great insight into what you can expect coming out of the kitchen. So fair warning, if you're hungry when you listen next week, grab a snack or be, pe- be prepared to head down here so you can get a bite to eat. That's all on next week's episode. This has been the AuthoraCast, a production of Georgia World Congress Center Authority. A special thank you to Kenny Monteith and Avita McDaniels for helping out with the show this season. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.